disadvantages we've experienced, especially if we have to raise funds. People believe that a, a husband and wife team, uh, funny enough, people don't want to invest in a husband and wife team. Mm. Hi guys, welcome to the Being Yourself show where we talk to the people who have followed their passion to achieve great success. If this channel adds any value to you, then please do consider subscribing by tapping on the subscribe button. And don't forget to hit the bell icon so that you get notification for the future videos. Don't forget to tell me what are your three takeaways from this interview by writing in the comment section below. Enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome to the Being Yourself show. I am your host Ajay Mathur and my guest today is a CEO of a company called Cashing. Cashing is a company which provides the payment solutions for the coin-based businesses in the unattended space. Karen has been a CEO for the company for the last seven years and they have more than thousands of products and have raised millions of pounds to run this business. We will go more into detail. Karen. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Tell us what problem are you solving with caching? So caching is helping customers that usually took only coins to also monetize in the card, taking card payments. Customers' behavior in the market has changed totally. People don't have coins anymore. And for a consumer, it is convenient to use their card to pay. So you don't, for, as a consumer, you don't necessarily have a, a 10p or one pound because ATMs have reduced, banks are closing on the high street, the coins, there's, there are less, less coins out there. So we have companies that usually only had coins on their devices to take payments, like for instance, kiddies rides, your photo booths, your vending machines, um, jet washers. So we currently provide those companies the ability to take card payments as well. Mm -hmm. So we're helping them to monetize on the market that has changed, consumer behavior that has changed. So we're really trying to create joy. <laughs> when your kiddies go on a kiddies ride, um, friends go out at night to play pool, they don't have to scramble for, for coins anymore, um, girls going out to a pub and playing a jukebox or want to take photos at a photo booth, they just tap pay. It's, it's convenient for the consumer mm. and your merchants also um, gaining more income. Yeah, um, just while you were talking about coins, so something came into my mind was the charity boxes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. That is something we need to concentrate on. But we've got so many... Fo currently, our focus has really been on, on more on, on your, your coin industry yeah. than really on charities. But that is something we could definitely provide. Yeah, have the, have the kind of your reader rather than the big box and yes. then people can do whatever they want how much exactly they want to exactly yeah because people don't have coins anymore and exactly. i know the charities have been it's been a challenge for the charities to try and monetize because people just don't have cash anymore mm. yeah. what was the motivation behind leaving your proper corporate job and starting your own venture sometimes you need almost like a kick to take you out of your comfort zone and what happened was the company that I worked for actually went through retrenchments. Mm -hmm. And I was one of the, the lucky ones that, that got retrenched. And it helps you to think of what next? You know, what, what do I want to do? Where do you want to go? What, what, you, 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 late in your career, what do you want to do? And um, so we played around with this idea of payments for small businesses, SMEs. And that's how we initially started. 
um, my, uh, my husband Gert actually did a lot of PCI compliance um, when he went around around seeing these companies, small companies, and what the payments in institutions did not realize was you, you, you got like a bed and breakfast, they need to comply with all these regulations, but they don't know how to, they just know how to run a bed and breakfast. So he had to go around and help them and educate them. Mm -hmm. So that's why we thought, let's start something to help businesses that they can do what they do best and we do payments. So then we started to create a payments solution, a complete payment solution, omni-channel payment solution for small businesses. And your company is called Cashing. Cashing, Cashing, yeah. the sound. Yeah, so initially when we, when we played around with the idea, uh, and it was a little, little bit punk to the name, because at that stage, FinTech, you need to be qu quirky. Um, and we thought about different names um, to, to, to start it. And because payments is like almost the sound of a, uh, we wanted to create a sound, and Kaching is like a sound of a cash register. Did you do this? <laughs> Yes, and, and that's how we, we got to that name. So we played around with some names and trying to be quirky and a name that could be um, remembered. But the challenge was, because when you get such quirky names, especially in, in the payments industry, everyone was blue. We didn't want to go blue. We wanted to go a different color. But when you go red, red is seen as danger. So we thought maybe orange. And we played around with orange. So that's why Kashing actually is orange. Okay. But Blue creates trust, <laughs> but we didn't want to go down that route, and especially when we started to try and create that trust element with, with your, with your um, customers was quite a challenge. And people thought also, Kashin, it, it sounds like money laundering. <laughs> so yeah, you had to get around all that um, when you start your business. So we did a lot of marketing when we initially started to try, try and create trust. People feel comfortable to use your product. Mm. So you, you think about the color of the logo and all of those things, that's quite fascinating. And I saw some of the reviews about your business, they were quite positive about the customer relation that you maintain, which is great. Tell us about how, how is Cushing different than what is there in the market? Do you have many competitors or how is it? Yeah, so when we initially started, it was all about providing an omni-channel payment solution, as I said, for a, for a, for a small SME. But the market, I mean, and a lot of things have changed. So there was PayPal, there was iZettle, and, and a lot of merging started to happen. And it, it was difficult to enter that market because you're a small payment institution, which we are, to try and enter that market and gain customers is quite hard and it's tough. And your customers actually just jump from one merchant bank you know, payment institution to another one. And it was trying, uh, convince them to come to you and then it's all about price and it's a, it's a race to the bottom and then we were fortunate enough um, two years ago we realized there's a gap in the market the unattended space and which helped to grow that market was the the consumer which was ready for it was the contactless and um, cash and the people didn't have cash anymore so that was great and that helped us go into that market because no one else really a competitor out there and it's all about the unattended space. So we changed strategy from looking at SMEs to the unattended space. Now, unattended space means someone's not there physically to present a card, uh, read it to you to, to take payment. It's like a pool table. Mm -hmm. It is like a vending machine. It's like a kiddie's ride. Um, 
those those are the those that's the market that we we are concentrating on and there's no one really in that space and as i said before contactless helped to drive that market the market was ready for it um and we've seen ex phenomenal growth in there and there's no one else really in that space because of the, the to enter into that market it's a lot of regulation and certification that needs to happen and that's why we thought we need to get there and, there and we did it um and, and that's how we differentiated ourselves. You need to find a gap in the market, which is sometimes a challenge. Because like I would say for the first three years, we battled to get customers. We got customers, but we didn't really get traction. And it was tough because we got a fantastic product. And especially when we started, we were one of the first companies that could provide an omni-channel. So a payment solution in terms of you have e-commerce, you have face-to-face um, -face payments, um, you can do pay by, pay by link. Where initially, when we started, no one else could really provide that. The payment industry was so fragmented. If you think of PayPal in the beginning, they could only provide face-to-face -face payments. They couldn't provide online payments. Mm -hmm. Stripe in the beginning, when they started, could only do online payments. You couldn't do face-to-face -face payments. It's only recently, the past two, two years, that they could provide a complete solution. But that's why when we started, we wanted to provide that. But customers didn't get it. They didn't understand it. Um, and that was the challenge we faced when we started. And that's why we changed strategy and we, fi we found a nice niche that mm -hmm. we could play in. And you started the business, I think, six years old it yes, is now? it is yeah. six years old, yes. So, so the first three years were quite challenging. So overall, how was the experience by, after coming from your corporate life and then getting into this business? Thing. Yeah, it's a it's a huge it's a huge change because especially if you come from a corporate environment, you know you've you've already got policies and procedures. When I start your own business, there's no policy, there's mm -hmm. no procedure. You need to create everything yourself, and because you you're used to having procedures in place, it's difficult to then go into this environment where it's almost like where do you get your guidance from? Where do you get your policies from? You need to create them yourself, and that was the challenge. And I think when we started first, because I especially come from a risk and compliance background, I wanted the policies and procedures to be in place before we started. But I think it's more important to almost, as you grow, then start doing your policies and procedures. Mm. I did it the other way around, which for me it was more important to have the policies and procedures in place. But if I had to do it over again, I'd rather first do the, you know, see how it works and then start writing policy procedures. Because how it works in real life is not necessarily how you want to put it down on paper. Mm. Because you need to develop the systems. I mean, we develop everything ourselves. So that is what's great about Kashin. We own our own IP. We developed everything in-house. Nothing is bought from a shelf or anything. We developed it all in-house. Wow. And the interesting thing is that you started all of that with your husband, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, we were talking about it before before this uh, recording. Uh, how do you flip the switch between the business partner to the life partner? Yeah, I mean, people tell you um, being a, a, um, a co-owner of a business is like a marriage. Well, we are married. <laughs> And it has got its challenges because mm. you're taking work everywhere with you. And to be, you know, at the day we you're quite honest with each other. I don't like this. I don't like that. And you, you bump heads and there's no time to be to beat around the bush when you say something. You're quite honest with each other. 
And then, you know, when you have this fighting environment and you go home and now you need to be all romantic <laughs> and lovey, it is a challenge. It is really a challenge. Um, and that's why we really need to tell ourselves tonight is date night. You know, we need trying to create a romantic atmosphere and that because, yeah, I can promise it's got its challenges. <laughs> Right. It, it, it is quite challenging and so, so some of the advantages is definitely that you have trust honesty um, in, in, in the relationship and while you work as well so mm. I think that that is one of the advantages the disadvantages we've experienced especially if we have to raise funds people believe that a, a husband and wife team funny enough people don't want to invest in a husband and wife team mm, which okay. which I find, find strange because I think it's quite a strong it's strong team yeah because co-founders I don't think if there's a breakup with and it might be because if, if there's a breakup or the business dissolves or whatever that uh, there'll be less fighting or uh, mm. less messy if you weren't married I don't think so I mean if, if a partnerships break a partnership breaks up it will be messy no matter what yeah um, yeah. Yeah, breaking up the business partnership is as messy as yeah, no, <laughs> breaking uh, up a relationship. Exactly, right? exactly. And I think mm. husband and wife is quite a strong team, and you put everything in it. I think you, you work much harder to make this work. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a strong team. Yeah, and you guys are doing strong stuff. So, <laughs> so great. Oh, no. oh, yeah. yeah. Well done, well done on that. <laughs> There's one thing that I ask uh, most of the people who actually have followed their passion and left what everybody was doing, mm. which you have done, and I want to understand your point of view about the education that you received and how did that help you taking this kind of decisions. So, so tell us something about uh, how did your education help me help you taking this decision to leave that and then start something or something on your own which you hardly had experience about how did you come up with that yeah. uh, that decision and how did your studies actually help yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, I studied um, e-commerce so commerce which helps a lot and in the fintech environment having a commerce background helps so I did my B commerce and then I did honors in my and commerce and then I did my MBA I did my MBA a little bit later when I was already working mm -hmm. which helps a lot I think when you do MBA it's good to have at least worked a few years yeah. and I think my MBA has helped me a lot it helped me to to do a business plan because when you should start up a business your business plan is probably the most important thing that you can ever mm -hmm. do and to do a business plan is quite difficult. You need to research a lot. You need to understand what is the problem. You need to understand what problem you're solving. You need to understand what market you're going to enter. How you're going to do it. A business, putting a business plan together, my MBA has helped me a lot with that. Um, although, I mean, I did that about 20 years ago. <laughs> and a lot has changed, especially in, in the marketing environment. I mean, 20 years ago, there was no Twitter. There was no LinkedIn, Facebook. So you always need to educate yourself and learn what is the latest trend so education never stops it, it lays a good foundation but it never stops things change um, new things come to light and it's always good to understand what are the latest trends i mean fintech was not really a word uh, well probably not the industry a few years back and now it's, it's the latest hot topic the best things in sliced bread and um yeah so 
Although my background and my actually my husband and I, you know, we never thought we'd do a business together because he he's, he is much in PCI compliance, which is the card industry, and mine is risk and compliance. And we never thought we were able to work together. But actually, it complements my risk and compliance helped us to get our banking license or our um, FCA license um, because I understood the FCA speak, what the FCA requirements were with anti-money laundering, um, data protection those things so that helped me a lot in what i've learned uh, in my work experience it helped to create our business so that is about your graduation and the postgrad yes but let's go back a little bit further in time sure. and there has been a lot of media pro about how the education system is broken and yeah. it doesn't work anymore it was yeah. made for the industrial era yeah. we are we now need new skill every yeah. every year really in order yeah. to survive which is true but I personally still don't agree that the education system is like completely broken yeah. Yeah. Um, from your point of view uh, just tell us when you were really young like in your school yeah what was something that you learned which you find still useful and that is helping you grow today I think so <clears throat> I think your, your parents are quite important role models. So when I was 10 years old, my parents got divorced, which was traumatic as, 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 a, as, a, as a child. But when you look back and you think how you've grown out of that, because my parents always told us to be independent. They never, you know, if you, if you had to do something, you needed to do it yourself. So independence, I think, is, is, is quite important. That they turn, and my stepdad was, uh, was an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And that helps, that role modeling, Helped, um, helped me, you know, to think, to think a little bit out of the box. How to have a business sense of when you approach something. So, as parents, I think role modeling is quite important. That helped me and helped me to form um, of who I am today. So, skills not necessarily always about education. It's about your role models. Who do you your 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 network almost. I once went to a, a conference and someone said your network is your network, network yeah. and it is so true. so true and coming to this country born in South Africa got my education there build your network there coming here and try and build it up here was quite hard and tough and I think we experienced that especially when we had to raise funds you know we did I didn't have a, a lot of network um, and it's trying to try and build that and, and create that and, and I think that is something where the education should come in to mm. social skills social being social intelligence is such important skill because people buy from people mm -hmm. um, and, and, and a lot of the fintechs as well the business that started might not be a great idea but if you have people that support you and also when you raise funds the first thing they tell you has your family and friends invested in your business because if your family and friends trust you then other people will trust you as well and, and put their money um, Mm. invest in your company um, the social skills definitely is, is such an important skill to learn so not necessarily education and something that I wish I um, I wish my parents pushed me towards because my parents were a lot about sport I mean our TV channel never changes it's always on sport channel <laughs> but it's, it's speech presentation skills you know what, even, even if you're not going to be the best presentation, well, that's not your dream. You, you, somewhere in your life, you will need to stand up and need to present. Yeah. 
in any work situation and try and learn to present yourself, to speak, go to debating courses. It's such an important skill. If, if that is one thing I can tell the education to concentrate on, it's debating skills and presentation skills. Even how your voice is to create confidence. I know Margaret Thatcher, she had to try and deepen her voice because mm. a deeper voice creates trust, confidence, talking slower. I know these are things I'm telling you, but yeah, I yeah, yeah. don't think I'm doing it myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I had to do, uh, this. Uh, actually one of my investors told me I needed to go on a speech learning skill course to try and how I present myself, how I talk. Because even when raising funds, when you talk in front of a crowd, how are you presenting yourself? How are you conveying a message? Uh, and e even when you have to convey a message that is precise to the point um, it's, it's quite important. Yeah, and that is quite interesting because I did ask the same question to my previous two, three interviewees and they said more or less the same thing. The networking and public speaking came at the top mm. of the mm. list. Mm. People who are coming out of their college, right, mm. they are also very confused to mm. what next. Yes. They just follow what everybody else is doing, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Apply to 10 different companies without knowing what exactly they mm. want to do really mm -hmm. in life and some people do realize early they even drop out from the colleges and they start their own something i would like to know from your point of view what would be your top three advices for the people who are starting their careers or the people who are starting to get into some sort of entrepreneurial initiative that's yeah. <sighs> difficult you know there was a saying you know do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life I don't necessarily agree with that because mm. if your hobby becomes what becomes work, I don't think you'll enjoy it anymore. And this is where this whole I know this whole drive about mental health and all that. You, your hobby needs to be a hobby, something that you do when you want to do it. Mm. Work sometimes, I, 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 not that I'm saying your work you should hate your job and, and, and that. I mean it's important to to like what you do, but there are certain days that I don't want to get up <laughs> where it is tough to motivate myself. Yeah. Um, but I think work and, and, and hobby needs to be separate from each other. Your hobby needs to really be something that you want to do, not necessarily always your work. Yeah. And, and sometimes different and different skills, but this is my, my belief. I don't know, for, for some of that started, I don't know, oh, it's difficult, it's difficult. Because you need money to survive. Yeah. Um, it's, it's difficult to, to give someone advice on that. I think it's important if you know you're good in something to pursue that. In, in your career and I think when when I was younger for my parents my parents told me you need banking as a safe environment to go into <laughs> although we know what the banking that crisis is <laughs> that is no longer the case but yeah. that was always in a safe environment um, to, to go and do but yeah some, it's, it's a difficult one I I don't know the answer <laughs> I don't know the answer it's difficult mm. okay right so Tell us now, you have, you have created a company mm. doing well, you have like thousands of uh, uh, products, you have raised millions of pounds, which is great, good success there. What is your long-term goal? What next? Exit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we want to build a company. And the payment institutions, there's been a lot of merging um, in the payment institution. And to scale up, you need a big company we need a payment institution behind us so we want to really build a build a good brand and company and then and sell it i i 
there's no way that we can grow bigger on our own. We would need to have someone, mm. another company, building it. And therefore, our strategy is to, to conquer a, a market, which we currently are, which is the unattended space. And then we, we, we hope someone, yeah, that a payments company institution will either sell it or buy. Sell or buy, yes. We you might even consolidate. buy. Consolidate. Yes, consolidate it. Even we might be, yeah, we might buy someone. Mm. Yeah. So is it the long term you're thinking about staying in payments or you want to get out of it and try something different? <sighs> no, I think the long term, long term is payments. Mm. Yeah. And then obviously, uh, it would be nice to invest. So obviously when we do exit and uh, try and provide support and invest in other startups and help them to, to grow. Because I know how much our investors mean to us, the advice that we get, um, yeah, to, to try and do the same, mm. give back, give back, give back to the community. And uh, finally, how can somebody, if they want to know more about Kaching, Kaching, <laughs> where do they go? Yeah, they're more than welcome to go visit on our website. They can link with me on LinkedIn. Happy to provide advice, give support, be a mentor. Um, yes, yeah, so www.kaching.co.uk That is K-A-S-H-I-N-G dot C-O dot U-K Alright guys, this is this is how a, an entrepreneur's journey looks like in a nutshell. <laughs> if you want to know more about Kaching and the kind of business they are into, please do visit the website that we have just mentioned or you can connect with Karen on the LinkedIn. LinkedIn. That's yes. where we are. Karen, thank you very much for your time. It thank was you. a pleasure talking you. to you and learning more about your business. Thank you for the opportunity, Andrew. It was thank lovely. You.